doing? I hope you are doing well this morning. It has been a week since I have been back on the podcast. The biggest reason why I've taken a break this past week is just because the truth that of the the last conversation here in this book has really been something that I've identified with. Um, this person that is called ignorant, a uh, person who knew everything about the gospel, knew all the truths, but his ignorance was in his uh, experience, lack of experience. Um, he had knowledge, but it wasn't um, in his heart. He didn't see himself as sinful or as as sinful um, as maybe the next guy. And, you know, it was something that uh, he had built just like um, Christian had, except they one had built on a solid foundation and one had built on a foundation of sand. And Christian explains to him the danger that he that he steps uh, as he steps because this is something that Christian and fa- and hopeful here they're near the end of their journey, and we're near the end of this part one. And it's almost over, and yet near at the very end, um, there's these people that aren't going to be able to go in because they uh, have built their faith on the wrong foundation. Uh, Christian says at some point, he says, you have fantasy and not faith. And I think that's a that's a true uh, a state of being for maybe a lot, of, a lot more people than we realize. Um, thus the admonition that uh, and warning that many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, because they knew and they did, but it, it wasn't it wasn't true faith. It wasn't unfeigned faith that we see in Scripture. Uh, so now uh, the word near the like I said, we're near the end, um, but we're beginning. If you are in a chaptered book, we're starting chapter eighteen, and. If you are in more of a, in an older book, or where they separate the chapters or stage separate by stages rather than chapters, uh, we're beginning the tenth stage, and so from that point we'll pick up. He says, "So I saw in my dream that they went on a pace before, and ignorance he came hobbling after." Then said Christian to his companion, "It pities me for this poor man." It will go certain. It will certainly go ill with him at last. And hopeful says, "Alas, there are abundance in our town in his condition, whole families, yea, whole streets, and that of pilgrims too. And if there be many in our parts, how many think you must there be in the place where he was born?" Ignorance had just the same natural notions of salvation as he was born with, only. He had been taught to dress them up by heart of sophistry. Hence, it is there so much. Ab- Hence, they have so much abounded among professors in every age. Oh, what a mercy to be delivered from them, to be spiritually enlightened and taught the truth, as it is in Jesus. And amen to that. That's a note there from the author. And he says, "This is the idea of salvation was something that really is the natural idea of salvation." And this sophistry that he speaks of, let me get a better definition of that because I, I have an idea of what that means in my head, but 
Um, sophistry. Okay, it just basically means... Um, uh, no, it means the use of fallacious arguments, especially with the intention of defe- uh, deceiving. Yeah, a fallacious argument. Um, I think, at first I thought maybe it was uh, something that uh, came from the word sophisticated. Because it sounds, a, sounds like it come from the same. But um, it's funny, the sophisticated does have the same roots there. It's, it's, it looks one way, but... It's almost the the look and the argument uh, is different in that it the intention. It's not just a false argument, but it's a false argument with the intention of dis- deception. Um, and he says this is, you know, to to take the natural mindset of salvation and dress it up with these, with a heart. That's been deceived is is a common is a common problem. Uh, it was in scripture. It, it it was a few hundred years ago, and it's a problem today. Christian said, "Indeed, the word saith, He hath blinded their eyes, lest they should see, etc." But now we are by ourselves. What do you think of such men? Have they at no time, think you, convictions of sin, and so consequently fears? that their state is dangerous? Hopeful says, Nay, do you answer that question yourself? For you are the elder man. Christian says, Well, then I say, sometimes as I think they may, they may have conviction of their sin and, and fear the state that they're in, but they are naturally ignorant, understanding not that their such convictions tend to their good, and therefore they do desperately seek to stifle them and presumptuously continue to flatter themselves in the way of their own hope. Mm. Hopeful says, I do believe, as you say, that fear tends much to men's good and to make them right at their beginning to go on pilgrimage. Christian says, without all doubt it doth, for it be for if it be right, for set for so says the word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we see that again in, in Job chapter, I mean, it's throughout Scripture, but we see it specifically in Job 28, uh, 28, I believe. Job 28, 28. I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote, but I just want to make sure of that. It says, And unto man, he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and do, and to depart from evil, is understanding. This is the beginning. This is not salvation, but this is where it begins. If it does not begin with the fear of the Lord and departing from evil, then we do not have wisdom and understanding. And we cannot claim to, because it's very simply put there. Hopeful says, how will you describe right fear? He says, a true or right fear discovers is discovered by three things. By its rise... It is caused by saving convictions for sin. It, and number two, it driveth the soul to lay fast hold of Christ for salvation. So true fear uh, can be found, can be discovered by how it came about, which is that saving conviction of sin. Uh, and then uh, the second thing, it drives the soul to lay hold to Christ. It doesn't try to cover it up or 
or stifle it by going uh, to religion or moral, living a moral life. Number three, it begetteth and continueth in the soul a great reverence of God, his word and ways, keeping it tender and making it making it afraid to turn from them to the left to the right hand or to the left or to anything that may dishonor God break its peace grieve the spirit or cause the enemy to speak reproachfully this is the way we identify true fear do I have the right fear of God or am I just like the um, young child who knows he's in trouble and begins to cry and so now it's um, just it's just a real shallow fear. He says true fear is caused by a true conviction of sin, and it ca- it drives you to Christ. And then finally, it it stays it, it births in you this reverence for God and His Word and His ways, keeping you tender. And and it's something that begins. It doesn't. It's just not something that happens. It's not necessarily a so much of an instance as it is a beginning. And this is what a tr- true and right fear uh, c- begetteth and continues this r- great reverence for God. And Hopeful says, well said. I believe you said the truth. So are we now almost got past the enchanted ground? <laughs> Christian says, why are you weary of this discourse? No, verily, but that I would know where we are, said Hopeful. We have not above two miles further to go thereon, but let us return to our matter. Now the ignorant know not that such convictions, as tend to put them in fear, are for their good, and therefore they seek to stifle them. And so, there's the question. He's saying, now that they understand, what do you think? What do you think they do to stifle them? And Hopeful says, well, how do they seek to stifle them? Christian says, well, one, they think that those fears are wrought by the devil, though indeed they're wrought by God. And thinking so, they resist them as things that directly tend to their overthrow. Wow. The fear that comes into the heart is not brought by the devil. Uh, There's a lot of people who, who will say, oh, no, that's the devil making you... Making you wonder, making you afraid. Well, why would the devil do that? If if you are deceived and believe that you tr- you've built your foundation on properly on the right thing, yet you read in Scripture that there are many who thought the same thing, and so you begin to wonder. But there are many people who say, "No, that's the devil. That's the devil." I, I would I would agree with the author here in that. No, these those thoughts are brought by God, and those are wonderful things to be brought to light. Because there's so many who aren't brought to that c- conviction, and they don't think about whether or not uh, the sin in their life is is there. Because well, they they don't they don't examine themselves, and he puts it very simply here: anything that would cause them to get rid of these fears, or, or, I'm sorry, anything that would cause these fears to, to stay there, they don't like that. Because they just want to get these fears, just get rid of them. Then he says, too, they also think that these fears tend to the spoiling of their faith. When alas, for them, poor men that they are, they have none at all. 
and therefore they harden their hearts against them. Wow. Number three, they presume they ought not to fear, even though it says very plainly, fear God. They presume they ought not to fear, and therefore, in spite of them, they wax presumptuously confident. Oh, man, that was me for so long. Presumptuously confident. Didn't, didn't take into consideration really anything other than, well, I know what I'm doing, and any time this fear would come, I'd, I'd, it would, I would struggle for a little bit and then get rid of it. Number four, he says, they say that those fears tend to take away from them their pitiful old self-holiness. And therefore, they resist them with all their might. We have a note here from the author as he, he explains his pitiful old self-holiness. He says, mind this phrase, far was it from the heart of the good Mr. Bunyan to decry real personal holiness. I suppose he was never charged with it. And if he was... It must have been by those who strove to exalt their own holiness more than Christ's righteousness. And if so, it is pitiful indeed. It is nothing but self-holiness or the holiness of the old man of sin. For true holiness springs from a belief of the truth and love to the truth. And besides this, only tends to self-confidence and self-applause. The self-holiness that he speaks of. So this is a false idea of what self-confidence is. This fear that God brings that is often pushed off and, and dismissed and, and, and attempted to, to quench. This, the, the, the reasoning is a common reasoning. Everyone does it for this, tries to get rid of it for the same reason because it's really rooted in a sense of pride. That, no, I, I did the right thing. And th this is not right. This is the devil trying to make, make me doubt. Well, fear is a real thing and it's a good thing. And if you've never had, if you've never responded to that fear with a cry out to God and then a continual seeking for Him, then I would, I would, uh, I would offer that it's worth thinking about next time because it comes in waves I believe it will come and then it goes and it comes and it goes and you pray that it doesn't stop coming uh, until he gives you that assurance and he gives you that that revelation of, the, of God revealing no man sees the son unless the father reveals him and and that's plainly said by Christ himself so as we continue here in the conversation he says hopeful says I know something of this myself for before I knew myself it was so with me. We have a note here from the author. He said, it is good to call to mind one's own ignorance when in our natural state. Yeah, like I was just remembering to excite humility of heart and thankfulness to God who made us to differ and to excite pity towards those who are walking in nature's pride, self-righteousness and self-confidence. Mm. Mm. Wow, it's incredible that this book was written so many years ago because it's just so so relevant to the conversation today. Christian says, well, we, we will leave at this time our neighbor ignorance by himself and fall upon another qu profitable question. Helpful says, with all my heart, but you shall still begin. 
Christian says, well, then did you know about 10 years ago, uh, one temporary, a man named temporary who lived in your parts, who was a Ford man in religion then? And we continue conversation about temporary. And this is a, this is a, a whole different conversation. So I'm going to take the opportunity here just to uh, come to a stopping point for today. And we'll start this conversation of temporary tomorrow. This is something that uh, religion does not like to talk about. The ignorant man who knows, who has all the head knowledge, but no heart knowledge. Uh, and it's evidenced by his life and, and the lack of assurance and, and the way he thinks about his sin and the way he thinks about fear. Those are some of, some of the evidence. It's not that you, you can find everybody. There's obviously those who creep in unawares and say all the right things and look like they do all the things, and they'll have everybody deceived at least on this earth. But there are those who are who are in a condition that if they could just recognize it and and be okay with God working on them, then uh, they stand to gain the world, they stand to gain heaven. And this is something that Again, that it's something that no one wants to talk about, especially in in the religious environment, and 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 in this case, temporary. A man who was a temporary believer, if you will, uh, it wasn't that he was a true believer. Now he wasn't, but the f- the evidence, the temporary evidence that existed in his life, was reminiscent of Jude twenty two, where it says, "Their fruit withereth away." They do bear fruit. The fruit that God is coming to look for. But it's not going to be there when he comes to reap because it was temporary fruit. It was something that grew. It flourished for a little while, then it died. And that's what it says very specifically. Again, in Jude, they're dead twice. I just bring that up before we get into this because some people will say they don't even want to enter into this conversation. And, And I just want to throw in that, yeah, no, this is something that's very plainly explained in Scripture that is very possible. It's very possible to have fruit for a while and then that fruit to wither and be dead twice. And uh, it, I can't say that I can explain this better than him, so I'll wait as we read through it to understand maybe more plainly this idea of of te- being a temporary, um, having a temporary uh, walk or relationship, temporary fruit. So in that, with that, I'll go ahead and finish for today. Thank you all so much for joining in. If you are listening to the podcast and not watching this on YouTube or Facebook, thank you so much for listening. Um, I noticed when I have like a space of time between recordings like this where I've had a week um, that the last upload will always get way more um, downloads and listens um, than if I post every day. So I'm not sure why that happens. Um, If you have any ideas, I'd be curious to hear yours. Just make sure I didn't get any comments here. There we go. All right, guys. Well, I hope you have a great day. I hope you will think about these things. And if you haven't uh, been able to listen to the entire broadcast, feel free to just go to the, hit the link in the description, and then there's um, an audio version that you can download and listen on your own time, if if that's something that interests you. So anyways, guys, thanks again. God bless.